0: The Bull Radio Football Show. Go,
1: go, go. Three Hamilton players are self-isolating after after positive COVID tests. Dundee United's Mark Connolly is charged with breaching coronavirus regulations. No red card for United's Ryan Edwards after that tackle on Alfredo Morelos. And former Rangers midfielder Charlie Adam has completed a two-year deal with Dundee in the Scottish Championship. What a signing story. That is on Tuesday's Go Radio Football show. Hello from Rob McLean, Ali DeFoy and Stephen Craig is here as well as we look ahead to St Mirren and Celtic tomorrow night the Premiership is back already it feels as if it's barely been away since the weekend and of course the those European matches to come as well for Rangers and for Motherwell and for Aberdeen on Thursday night we'll be very much touching on those as well as we point the way forward we'll be speaking soon to the young Motherwell midfielder Alan Campbell what a sensational start to the season he is having for both club and country. Uh, Sean Maloney will be with us, former Celtic and Scotland player who has a key role with Belgium these days. We'll be finding out a bit more about that. Uh, Lee Cassiaro will be with us. You may remember that name because he scored the goal against Celtic in Europe. Brendan Rodgers' first match in charge against Lincoln Red Imps in Gibraltar. He also scored against Scotland for his national team as well. He mustn't like Scottish football too much. We'll speak to Brian Graham later. The Patrick Thistle striker has uh, got a double role for the Jags this season because he's going to be running their women's team as well. I'm not sure, craigs if we're going to fit that all into two hours, but we're going to try.
2: You managed to fit it in one minute 49 seconds.
3: <laughs> Listen, we'll do our best. It, it, it's just another day in Scottish football. There's always a story. There's always a headline. There's always something happening, Rob, and that's why we love it.
1: Indeed, we do. What about that? We'll talk about quite a few decisions mm-hmm. having been made. The decision not to take action uh, against Ryan Edwards and that tackle on Saturday uh, on Alfredo Morelos. Uh,
3: I'd love to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Uh, I just think the the inconsistency in decisions from referees from the panel that that goes on. Uh, you know, I, I think the majority of people over the weekend speaking about it have thought it would automatically be a red card. Well, what about Steven Gerrard? Here's what he had to say about that tackle.
4: A yeah, follow through there. Now, I don't want to stand here and say that a kid should be sent off. Of course, I don't. But what would be interesting if it was the other way round, what the decision would have been?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about that um, the other way round, but uh, it, it wasn't liable to cause injury. That one as uh, as one of the famous phrases
3: says yeah, it actually did. It did. You know, I think you've got to be careful. You know, you have to judge every incident and they do, the. The referees in the panel—they judge every tackle, every incident as a standalone one, Rob. They don't think, you know, what if the other player was making tackle? I think that has to be ruled out. But serious foul play is when a a tackle that endangers the safety of an opponent or uses excessive force or brutality, he didn't endanger the opponent, he actually did injure him. So I think that's the case. And some people think, well, it's a 50-50 tackle, he won the ball. But the tackle doesn't end when you make contact with the ball. The tackle ends when the play finishes. And his foot ends up in someone's thigh, his studs end up in his thigh. Does he mean to do it? I don't think he means to do it at all. But there is a possibility of, of, of causing real serious damage to Alfred and because he's where he's caught a mice. I think he's got away with it a little bit, the fact that it's just pierced a hole holding his leg. It could have been a lot worse. So when the referee panel have looked at that and thought, well, his studs have ended up on his thigh, I think that's the key giveaway, the fact that his studs are on his thigh. And I think that it should have been a red card. The laws changed over the years. People will say, but that, you know, five years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Irrelevant. I think it should be a red card I don't think there's malice in it however he has endangered the opponent has actually injured the opponent then I think the red card should have been given So,
1: no action against Ryan Edwards of Dundee United and Alfredo Morelos, we hear, is going to be making the trip to Gibraltar with Rangers to face Lincoln Red Imps. That's a four in the afternoon start on Thursday and uh, we'll be talking a lot more about that game coming up. But let's talk right now on the Go Radio football show to one of the hottest young properties in Scottish football. He's turning into a bit of a goal machine at the moment, Motherwell midfielder Alan Campbell. Hi, Alan. All right, it's happening? How are you doing?
5: I am alright. How are yours? Yeah, good. Th- you.
1: Good, thank you. Um, what about the the goal at the weekend? It was a big one, wasn't it? Motherwell needed to get three points, and uh, you managed to crack it with that goal.
5: I definitely. I think it was um, it was coming. The win, and we've been playing some decent football, and just wanting getting the results that we needed. But um, at the weekend, we showed a bit of a different type of performance. We were a bit harder to beat. and just ground out the result and I was lucky enough to pop up and get a wee goal
1: lucky enough to pop up well you popped up for the Scotland under 21s last week as well in Lithuania with the only goal of that game as well they're coming thick and fast for you at the moment
5: that's something I've been trying to work on in my game just um, you always look at the start of the season what you can improve on I think that's an area in my game that I'd like to try and um, keep improving on and, and that's been good to get a couple of goals this season hopefully I can keep getting in the box and try to get some more
2: Alan, it's Ali here. I hear that, and now this might just be speculation. You might not have said it. Your words might have been twisted. But do you have a secret goal target?
5: No, nah, just as long as it hits the back of the net. <laughs> so you don't have an <laughs> amount of that.
2: goals you're trying to get.
5: No, nah, just as long as the ball hits back in the net, and um, I just keep doing that, trying to do that every week, and now I'll just that was see what happens today. That's it.
1: So is that is that three so far? Two, two from other world, one for Scotland under twenty one. Is that right? Ah, that's right well yeah sure. I mean, you, another 17 and you're on 20 we've got to be setting a 20 target surely
5: <laughs> Alan I, just
3: Al, I think the place. thing that surprised me maybe ma'am was that, that, that both recent goals have been from outside the box I never knew you could kick, uh, kick the ball that far but I also heard a little rumour I spoke yeah. to someone over the weekend and I won't tell you who that the one against uh, Lithuania you may have missed hit the ball is any any truth in that rumour? Uh, maybe a wee bit but <laughs> as I said i, mean,
5: I got to sweat in <laughs> the back of the net, so I thought it mattered yeah, uh, it kind of helped me out. Try to just um, hit this ball on the target and kind of just swerve to the the right, but it's went right in the back of the net. So I was buzzing with
3: that. Listen, I don't want to embarrass Alan too much, but I have to say that I've worked with him since he was 17 years of age, Rob, and I think he's the most dedicated young professional player I've ever came across. That he lives his life every day. He wants to be a top footballer. Uh, I said to you last week that some players in the dressing room look for outside influences or outside people they can relate to with regards to how they should live a life and how they train and I used to always say to the young players you've got one in your own dressing room in Alan that if you do things right you push yourself you get the best out of yourself it's amazing how far it can take you so to see the success he's having just now playing in the first team people talking about him getting linked with moves left, right and centre I'm not surprised at all and that comes through dedication, desire and the willingness to do the other side of the game that some people don't want to do so I think all the plaudits have to go to him he's been terrific
1: Are you blushing Alan?
5: hi <laughs> No, nah, Craig's always been coming to me um, coming through. He's me a, helped me kick-start
1: my career at my and and nah, gave me a good chance to improve my career. Because he was in your under-20 team,
3: wasn't he? He Couch? was. He was in the... Was it 2016 when we won the Youth Cup? As I said to you, the midfield trio was Alan Campbell, David Turnbull and Chris Cadden.
1: Yeah. And
3: it's fair to say the three of them haven't done too bad. So, I mean, there's only so much you can do with regards coaching players and pushing them, but the players have to go and want to do it themselves and they want to have to apply themselves. And that three, certainly, if Cadden, Turnbull and Campbell certainly do it. I wanted to ask... Is it was it someone having a word with you to, to kind of change your mind with regards to that dedication or was that just something that came to you naturally and you made that decision yourself? I've never asked you that.
5: Uh, no, I just, as a, when I was got my first full-time contract, I just thought I'd just make sure that I don't regret it and at the end of it that i just do everything I could to just try and make myself better and then if it didn't work out for me at the end of the day I could hold my head up and just say I gave my all and it was just wasn't it meant to be but i just go on every day and just try to improve myself and um, just keep trying to get better.
1: Have you always been confident, Alan, in your own ability and where you could get to in the game, or or is that growing at the moment uh, as you as you make strides of improvement?
5: No, I've always been. I've always been a confident boy. Obviously, the support for your family and that help. But just, I just love playing football, and I'm doing what I enjoy, and um, doing that every day. It just that gives you, makes you happy, and just spurs you to keep doing well. And obviously, playing the first team and doing well there just helps your confidence so much more and hopefully I can just keep getting on and keep putting in performances
1: Craig speaks about you as being a, a role model for others because of your dedication to the game who who did you model yourself on was there, was there a player that you looked up to you know during your school years somebody who you wanted to be you liked the way they played or you liked their attitude
5: I always, you always look at the top pros like obviously Ronaldo I know, doing, he's 30 odds now and he's still playing at the highest level and it's just not obviously how good he is on the park he loves his his life right and does everything he can to make himself the best possible player he can be and I think that's a role model to every player just obviously you've got talent but to take your talent that that next step you know look after your body and the way you love your life is a massive part and I just think that's 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 what I've looked at and that's helped me just try to keep getting on and keep doing that
1: Have you got a bit of the Ronaldo lifestyle going on then as well? No, I wish I had a
5: better
3: No, I don't. That's coming soon, me man, don't worry about that. But it's another thing, Rob, you look at first game of the season, mother all the way to Ross County, and you look at the team sheet and Alan Campbell's name wasn't on it. Yeah. Now you we would know many players who would say, Well, that's me, I'm done, I'm not gonna try anymore, I'm not gonna do anything. Keeps his head down, gets back in the team the following week, and he kicks on and he is having a good season, Alan. So so there are gonna be setbacks under, there's gonna be obstacles along the way, but you've got to be strong enough mentally to overcome those.
5: I uh, definitely I think that's part and parcel of football. It's never it's never always on a high, there's always down moments, not playing, getting injured. Um just need to deal with that and I think the best way to deal with that is just work even harder. Obviously first game of the season I didn't I didn't play and um my just main focus was just make sure when I got on the training part just to keep my heat down work hard and show the manager that I should be um ready for selection the next week and then when you get the chance just make sure you don't and um, you don't let do and you take it.
1: Is it a real challenge as well, Alan, to to be coping with life after David Turnbull? Because he, he's such a big player, such a talented player, that I, I guess lots of people looking in from the outside would say, well, that's a big chunk of the midfield gone if if David Turnbull has been sold to Celtic. I mean, is there a challenge in actually proving that there's lots left at Motherwell in that in that midfield area as well?
5: Obviously, David's a cracking player and he's done brilliant for us, but I think we showed last year, um, we had a good a good core team in in the middle of the park last year and we've done well without David so now we can still perform at that level obviously he's a great player and it'd be amazing to still have him on the team but I wish him all the best and hope he kicks on he's a good mate of mine but um, now we've got good enough players at out to keep playing well and to keep kicking on for the rest of the season
1: and of course Craig's Liam Donnelly is missing from that midfield area as well
3: it is you know and I think Liam complements them all very well. You know, Liam sits behind the ball, breaks play up, allows Mark O'Hara, allows Allen, allows to, uh, uh, Liam Polworth to get forward. So I think it, it, it's took a few weeks to kind of readjust with Liam not being there. Um, but then Mark O'Hara seemed to have settled in, Liam Polworth's there, Alan's in. So suddenly now they've had two wins out of the last three games. it's amazing how the mentality changes, Rob, the belief comes back. And I think Alan touched on it there that. You know, they didn't set up on Saturday to dominate the ball for 90 minutes. At times he came off the play, they allowed St Johnson to have it. They tried to counter attack against them at times just to mix their game up because at times they've been dominating so much where they haven't been able to get that shot off or that goal or that key moment to try and get in three points. So that was a big turning point for them. Um, and then they've also got Cole Rain on Thursday night. Alan, that's a big one looking forward. I think you're going tomorrow, is that right, Fan, over to Northern Ireland tomorrow for the game Thursday night?
5: I We go over tomorrow morning um, and train later on the night. So... That'll be a good challenge. Um, I think they'll be a physical team, and I think we just need to make sure we match their work rate and desire, and then I'm sure our quality will show through in the end. Well,
1: they beat Maribor, didn't they, in the last round? So that's kind of all you need to know. And that, that's a team that's uh, caused chaos in Scottish football before. Um, so you give them plenty of respect, even even just based on that result, Alan.
5: Right, definitely. It's going to be a it's going to be a tough task, but I think if we go on with that same attitude we had at the weekend, that same work rate, that same desire, the fight to Won a game of football, then I'm sure we'll we'll be all right. Has the
1: belief always been intact in the first month or so, six weeks of the season, where everyone was saying, "Look at that motherwell squad; it's amazing the strength and depth." But but then on the other side of the coin, look at the the results, which were obviously disappointing um, early on. But did you always retain the belief that that you would turn the corner in terms of results?
5: I uh, definitely, because I don't think we're playing bad football. We're playing good football. Um, Our performances. Um, we're decent we're just only getting get the results um, so now we're always confident because watching the analysis and that there were so many positives just to take away it. but it's just that final that final product and that's just something that we've been working on and training a lot and it's good that the past couple of games we've added to that and got a couple of wins
2: Alan it wouldn't have been quite the same on Saturday scoring without any fans how much are you looking forward to them being back in the stadium and possibly sp- scoring again with them there
5: I uh, know it definitely it's the major party when you score a goal is just the, the roar for the fans um, and that buzz of adrenaline. But it's disappointing that they obviously can't be there for the game on Thursday, especially waiting um, a good you years to be back in Europe. But the sooner they get back in, the better.
2: Well, hopefully you'll get another one and they can all cheer for you. I'm sure they'd be cheering from their television sets.
5: I know, you, hopefully, hopefully.
1: You've played twenty odd times, Alan, for the for the under twenty ones. Um, obviously in time you would be looking to, to meet your breakthrough into the full Scotland squad if that's possible, although midfield is a really strong area for, for Stevie Clark at the moment. But when you look at the under twenty one team, that is some that is some midfield combination that you've got in there when you when you look at um, David Turnbull, Ross McCrory, Lewis Ferguson, yourself. I mean that that's a lot of talent that's gonna be knocking at the door soon, isn't it?
5: I definitely um, I think every young Scottish boy is to play for their country um, and obviously I'm lucky enough that I've played a good number of games for the 21s and I just need to make sure every time I get the, the chance to play there I just keep performing to the, the levels I know I can and then obviously when I get the chance at club to play just keep performing keep digging in and hopefully one day I'll get the chance to make that step up to the, the A squad.
3: Oh. I know there's been a lot of talk certainly from Motherwell fans about your contract situation and what's going on. Um, I think you're out of contract soon. So, I mean, it's only a case of you know, the fans would love you to stay. I think you enjoy yourself. Is it a case of possibly trying to get something done?
5: I think that's in the, just talking the me. So, I don't know what's going to happen with that. It's just a matter of just seeing what happens there. Just focusing on the stuff in the park, doing the business on the park and then just seeing what happens off the park.
1: And hoping that um, this the match against Keaton get over that hurdle against Coleraine and then potentially uh, the European matches can come quick and fast if, you, if you're getting through them um, it could be a busy little spell coming up but you wouldn't mind that at all because um, the European adventure could be quite exciting from other one
5: Aye but obviously we need to focus on this game coming up it's not going to be an easy task it's going to be a tough game it's going to be a battle and I think when we get past that then you can start to look forward to the next ones but main, the main focus is making sure that we get a result on Thursday night Stephen
1: Robinson already be going, going into some detail about what you'll be up against
5: yeah definitely um, start of the week he's um, let us know what we'll be on for and did a bit of analysis on them so now we'll be well prepared we've done a lot in training so we'll be prepared for the game on um, Thursday to make sure we're fine and ready to get a result
1: ok well good luck on Thursday Alan and uh, good luck with the rest of the season as well and good luck uh, reaching that 20 goal target that I've just <laughs> set for you
5: sorry that's my <laughs> fault all the best Al and no, cheers thank you cheers That's Alan
1: the Motherwell midfielder Alan Campbell and our next VIP guest on the Go Radio Football Show is going to be Sean Maloney
0: the Go Radio Football Show let's
1: go yeah, the football chat keeps on coming at this time, Monday to Friday. The big guests keep on coming as well. Last night we were talking to former Celtic defender and Celtic assistant manager, Johan Mialbi. Uh, Marvin Andrews as well brought a smile to our faces, no doubt about that. Already tonight we've heard from the Motherwell midfielder, Alan Campbell, and his current goal scoring exploits. Later on we're going to speak to Lee Cassiaro, who scored that goal for Lincoln Red Imps against Celtic and Brendan Rodgers' first match in. In charge, he scored against Scotland for Gibraltar as well and he'll be telling us how the Imps are preparing for the arrival of Rangers this week in the Europa League Brian Graham joins us later, man of many clubs as well currently Partick Thistle and he's taking over the reins as the manager of the Jags women's team so lots to come, also we'll be hearing from Neil Lennon and from Jim Goodwin about that Premiership game uh, tomorrow night in Paisley, St Mirren against Celtic, they rearranged Game And then of course it's Europe, those three Europa League ties, Thursday night, Rangers, Motherwell and Aberdeen all involved. Plenty going on and uh, the big name guests keep on coming. As I was saying, it's uh, former Celtic and Scotland star Sean Maloney now. Hi Sean. Rob, okay? Yeah, very well. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Just looking through the, you're just looking through your career. Two spells with Celtic, Aston Villa, Wigan, Chicago Fire, Hull City, forty-seven Cups and seven goals with Scotland, five titles and three league cups with Celtic, an FA Cup with Wigan, and currently uh, you're among the stars of Belgium, part of Roberto Martinez's coaching team at Belgium. Um, I was just <laughs> going through those names. I mean, what a job! I mean, people would, people would. Uh, Cut off your right arm to get this job. De Bruyne, Hazard, Lukaku, Witzel, Tielemans, Aldeweireld, Vertonghen. The list goes on and on. That must be some job.
6: Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, I'm very fortunate. Uh, but yeah, no, it's an uh, amazing job. Um, lots of fun, um, lots of work. But uh, yeah, I understand how fortunate I was to get that role uh, What well, two years ago now. Yeah.
1: And that obviously came about with your relationship with uh, Roberto Martinez, who you played for at Wigan.
6: Yeah, no, it did. Um, uh, I kept in contact with him when I left, but not not massively. Just um, uh, during the World Cup, they did an amazing World Cup in twenty eighteen, and then just the way the staff changes happened, um, with Thierry leaving a little bit later, uh, the assistant went to West Brom, um, and yeah, no, I was uh, Roberto phoned me up one night. I thought it was about Dedrick because uh, it was going through that issue with uh, Dedrick's contract at Celtic, and um,
1: Dedrick Vallata.
6: Yeah, and then uh, at the end of that conversation, he um, he offered offered me the job as um, as the assistant, and uh, uh, it it uh, I didn't take too long. To no, I wouldn't, have, I
1: wouldn't have I wouldn't thought you did. Where, where where do your responsibilities begin and end? What what, what role do you fulfil on the coaching staff? Um, I think any assistant
6: would probably tell you that you're sort of there to support the, the sort of head coach or the manager, um, and that that's from everything in terms of what's delivered in training. Just lots of ideas, discussion. And then, obviously, the Roberto and whoever the head coach is and uh, whichever club, you, they make the decision. So, um, yeah, you're just there to support, give your ideas. And then on an individual basis with the players, you you try and get that connection and then you try and work with them on, on anything individual that, um,
1: that you think that they can require or they require from you. As I was saying, I mean, you've had a fantastic career of your own, but there would be real potential in the job you have to be, to be... When you walked in the door for the first time, to be overawed at what's almost like a a Harlem Globetrotters selection of of football stars.
6: Yeah, I think um, what I was actually really lucky was is that um, Thierry Henry he didn't actually leave until about um, six weeks after I got there, so he went and got uh, he became Monaco manager. So for that six weeks, it sort of allowed me. Um, to be sort of uh, a little bit in the background with uh, Roberto and Thierry sort of leading, um, and, it, and it was a big—that um, was a big plus point because literally coming from Scotland and Celtic Academy, it was um, it was such a big step. But it did those six weeks did allow me to sort of just settle in slightly. And um, but yeah, no, the, the quality of player was such a it's such a privilege to, to coach. So um, yeah, I was uh, I was definitely a little bit quiet those first uh, that first. <laughs>
3: Sean, it's Stephen Craigan here. I'd imagine that Robbie would still would still take the main sessions, does he? Does he still like to take the shape in the organisation? Because I'd imagine, you know, from going from coaching day to day for him to kind of go and coaching four or five times a year, he'll want to be involved and get on the pitch.
6: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, I think it was similar at club level, um, particularly at Wigan and, and by all accounts at Everton. He's, he's, um, he, he loves coaching, so he loves being on the pitch. Um and for probably 60% of the session, he will lead um, some tactical days. It's more than that. Uh, but no, you're spot on. He's very enthusiastic, wants to coach. Um, and that hasn't changed. If anything, you're right, with the, with five camps a year, it becomes he's even more um, motivated to actually get on the pitch and, and get those ideas across.
3: Have you learned from watching him coach? You know, Has it changed your philosophy, changed your mindset of how you would coach a team if, if you were ever in charge yourself?
6: um i'm not sure it's
3: changed philosophy because um i think they were pretty similar when when i got there
6: but coaching styles i think you, there's always things that you um that you pick up um even really fortunate that when you when we go and visit um our players in their own environment at, at different clubs you, you always see head coaches assistant coaches taking sessions and you, you you sort of see things that you really like i'm sure i'm sure it's been similar for you you yeah. you, you see you see a coach um, a manner in how he takes a drill or no matter whether it's a technical or a big possession and you sort of,
7: you like it and
6: you like that ideas behind it. And then you might um, try and put your own stamp on it. Um, But yeah, for for sure, Roberto, the way, definitely the way he gets his tactical messages across is very, very clear. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I can take that on board.
3: But it's funny, you know, a lot of the coaching I've done previously is, is, and the first thing you go and coach is the team without the ball. Get back into your shit. I don't imagine that Belgium have too many problems coaching without the ball because I would imagine what eighty odd percent of the game they will have the ball.
6: Yeah, but then it's it's still a little bit of both um, because uh, I think the the, the the sort of better opponents or the real sort of top level opponents, you're gonna every team at some point has to suffer without the ball. Um, so um, no, that's just, that side of the game is still really really important. Um, we played Denmark in the last camp, and they were uh, away, and they were very good at times in possession. Um, so no, no, it's it's. I wouldn't say it's biased towards one sort of phase of the game or the other. It's still out of possession, it's still sort of a big um, a big part of the coaching week. I think.
1: Lots of people listening to this, Sean, will be wondering what it's like uh, to work with Kevin De Bruyne close up.
6: Um, you know, it's really difficult to sort of I don't, like he's an incredible player I mean just uh, like the highest level in, in his position um, but it's it's there. there's there's so many of them uh, so many of the players in the squad and it's different areas that you you just find so impressive so obviously Kevin in his position but there'll be other there'll be other days when we'll be focusing on different things where there'll be uh, like defensive uh, you'll watch our defensive players and you're just like wow wow um, so, yeah, Kevin's just absolute elite in his position, but it's it's there's others, there's other players in our squad that in their own sort of position that you get the same, yeah. same feelings when you watch them.
3: Have you noticed a yeah. big difference? Sorry, you, you know, from the level you played at and playing at Wigan and playing at Celtic have been successful, and then looking at the talent in that squad, Sean, is there a big difference to see the top, top quality players? <laughs> yeah, mild compared to what I was, yeah. yeah. It's like night and day. And you were uh, miles above me, so God, that was beyond me, that's for sure.
6: <laughs> no, I think you've been a bit harsh on yourself. Uh, no, it's, um, d- you know, the, the technical side of things, yeah, there's there's a big difference, but the one of the biggest things is the mentality of the group um, and in the individual. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, is that that, that mentality, every day's training, every, every match, no matter what the condition, um, like we've trained in places where the facilities haven't haven't been as, as top as what maybe our own um training facility is or what they're maybe used to at clubs just with the travelling and if we're training the day after in a different country. But the mentality doesn't change and there's never ever a complaint, there's a never ever less than sort of your maximum effort. Um, so that sort of mentality has been um, has been one of the most impressive things uh, about the squad I think.
2: Sean, it's Ali here. I guess the difference, along with the mentality between the Scottish game and where you're at now, must be quite different.
6: Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of, like the the technical level,
2: for sure. And and the matches when you were playing, obviously in Scotland, how the game would be played here compared to over there.
6: Um, yeah, so I think a little bit of both. So like the um, the Belgium Leagues, actually, actually the. Domestic league's really, really, um, really good. Really good for young players to sort of develop. But I sort of get the same feelings about the Scottish league. Um, I, I think recently doing a little bit more on the um, media work with it. I, I think I have to try and be really positive. Or I believe that the, our Scottish league's actually maybe stronger than what what's spoken about. Um, it's a really good league for younger players to develop. Um, but the, nas- the national team, um, the national team at the moment, the Belgian team is at such a high level and. Um, I guess it's our jobs to try and keep them at that level and, and help them stay at that level for as long as possible.
1: It's difficult for us to make any great comparisons, isn't it, between Scotland and Belgium? It, we, it just the the it seems like a a massive gulf at the moment in terms of quality. But are you optimistic? Are you optimistic, Sean, that we can take some steps of of recovery? Yeah,
6: it's, I think it's impossible to really. Um, to compare Scotland um, oh you don't really want to compare the our national team um, with any other country um but we we have some really good players yeah and I've, I've been on the cyber I've had to analyze Scotland and then prepare to play against them and there's some really really like they' playing at top teams down south um we've got players playing in, in our domestic league playing in Europe at high level so yeah we've got really good players um and uh, I know they've changed the structure in the last couple of games, but it's I think uh, I, I feel quite positive about Scotland's national team. I think um, I think the squad is there for us to have a really good team, um, and I think in, in a little bit of time, I think uh, Steve Clark will have that.
2: Sean, you've scared, scored some amazing goals in your career. Let's talk about, the, of course, at Celtic Park against Ireland. Sorry, uh, I'm just looking at Crags yeah, here just it's now. Okay, I'm from um, it's I know it's all right. You let me <laughs> off. Um, which is possibly your most memorable? I know it might be quite hard to pick one, but
6: um, I, that, the, the one you mentioned there with Scotland was um, definitely most memorable for for my country. It was um, uh, it just all fell into place in terms of being at Celtic Park. The, the pressure of the game. Um, and it was a really great moment for the national team, or felt a really good moment um, at the start of that campaign. Unfortunately, it, it didn't. It didn't materialise at the end. But um, that for that definitely um, Celtic. There's um, uh, there was. I think if you score in an Old Firm game, then those feelings are such a big sort of high in those games. And um, uh, yeah, I'd say that those those two and. Um, and maybe at Wigan, there was one where we, we played Man United and I loved Man United as a kid and then, and to score against them, it was... Uh, um, yeah, it was... Uh, that, those, those, those sort of goals, they're sort of such big highs um, and, uh, and they all sort of led to wins as well, which made it, um,
1: made it even better, really. What about Celtic now, Sean? Do, do you think they still have the upper hand over Rangers in this so important of seasons?
6: Um... I think I think you'd probably have to say slightly, um just because of their past performances in leagues and how strong they are, their mentality looks so strong, uh, particularly when they were challenged last year around christmas new year um but seasons start afresh, you know, and it's um momentum's a great thing there there doesn't look too much between the results, obviously so far um yeah, I think maybe just celtic because of how good they've been domestically um. But I think uh, I think we're probably all looking forward to that first old-firm game and um, yeah, to see if both teams can continue to win until then. Um, we would just make that first match. Uh, it's going to be some spectacle.
1: Albionni, Yeti looks like he could be a good signing. It's ob- he's obviously been used carefully so far, sparingly, but he keeps chipping in with goals.
6: Yeah, no, he's, he started really well. I think um, only reading what, uh, what the manager said is not quite being up-to-match fitness, which made sense, I guess. Um, not playing loads. Um, at West Ham, and also they they had maybe a, their league ended similar time to when maybe Celtic was coming back to pre season. So that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, now he looks like he's he's getting match fit, and, and they look like they're playing him and Odson together in a different system to um, what they started. That uh, yeah, it looks a really really good signing. Um, so yeah, I think the longer he plays, or the more matches he plays, he'll, he'll get stronger.
1: Do you think the transfer market, though, I mean, the, the, the window doesn't close, I think, until the 5th of October. Uh, do you think the, the transfer market could potentially, if it is relatively close between Rangers and Celtic, in your view, could any moves that are made in the next two or three weeks make a difference?
6: Yeah, I think, I think you have to say yeah. Um, I think they could. Um, like, if, if if both teams, really, I know there's been speculation on Kent recently, um,
1: but he's like, thrived. He's thrived on it, hasn't he?
6: Oh, he's been exceptional. I think. Um, uh, I think. Well, I, I kind of spoke uh, four or five weeks ago about him being a really important player, and I think if his form stays at this level, then he's going to. They will have a a big say in how many matches Rangers can win, particularly those really tight ones where they they might have struggled in the last half last season. But it's the same at Celtic if they. They now rely, and they have relied on Odson so heavily. Um, ayer has been very, very strong for them. Um,
4: like these are players that,
6: hopefully, the club um, will keep hold of. Um, but the same, if Rangers or Celtic was any one of their really key players, then I think you would probably have to say it would have a, it could, it could have a big impact if if they don't recruit really quickly to replace them. Um, fingers crossed for us. I think uh, they all stay and. We'll add to the excitement of the league.
1: You've obviously been back and forth, not so much recently. Although you were away with Belgium on on international duty recently, but uh, I guess in the last couple of years you've done a lot of travelling around around Europe. Um, is is there? Do you, do you sense a lot of interest elsewhere in odds Edward? Edouard?
6: Um, I would say uh, I wouldn't say just through travelling. Um, it's probably you kind of. It's probably the media that you read uh, up in Scotland or when I'm when I'm in Scotland you. You, you read a lot of um, interest in him. Um, it seems to, to, to constantly be uh, speculation about him. But in fairness to Odson, he, he doesn't ever portray as though someone that he's desperate to go. It might be different privately, but... Um, uh no, it's it's it just seems that it's transfer when the window's open. You can understand why there might be Premiership clubs want to take him.
1: Um He probably doesn't need to say anything because he make he makes so much noise just the way he plays, doesn't he? That's gonna that's gonna attract predators.
6: Yeah, of course. Um, but then that's 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 what happens. I think it's it's the same with Celtic. They'll see players that they'll want to want to, they'll want to sign. They want to take other teams might not want to let their best players go. I guess that what that's what the market is. Um, Odson, Odson looks like he's, he's he's getting better and better, so he's developing. Um, so it's uh, he's scoring now with a a lot with the French uh, under 21 team as well. So you can understand why there's so much interest. But in fairness, whenever he plays with Celtic, he, he plays well, he scores. So um,
1: yeah, hope 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 that continues. Sean, really good to talk to you. Um, we'll I get a chat with you again sometime. But that's been uh, really good to hear from you. All the best.
2: Yeah, no, thanks everyone. Thanks for having me. Look, Sean. Me. To you, Sean. That yeah, is... thanks, a lot. All right.
1: Former Celtic and Scotland star Sean Maloney we're going to be speaking soon about Lincoln Red Imps against Rangers uh, that is on Thursday in the Europa League want to hear from you as well and uh, how can you get in touch well like this
2: give us a call 0808 17, 17 jump on the socials at Goal Football Show or you could drop us a text 87474
1: and put Go at the start of your message Talking Lincoln Red Imps next The Bull Radio Football Show Let's go that was a really interesting chat with uh, Sean Maloney. He has the job of our dreams, working with the Belgian superstars. Um, it's difficult doing this show without mentioning the C word, COVID, of course, and uh, Hamilton. Uh, have had three positive tests, training cancelled, and uh, United. Dundee United's Mark Connolly is to be charged by the Scottish FA over a coronavirus rules breach. Um, It just continues to dog football. It continues to dog all channels of life, of course. Right, let's talk Europa League now. And on Thursday afternoon in Gibraltar, it will be Lincoln Red Imps against Rangers. If you think you remember the name, well, of course you do, because they beat Celtic in Brendan Rodgers' first match as manager. And the man who scored the only goal of that game, Lee Cassiaro. Lee, how are you? Good, good.
8: All right. Are you Are you well? Yeah, not bad, not bad. At work at the moment, but yeah, having a good time at waiting for the game on Thursday.
2: What do you do at work? What do you work as?
8: Well, I work at Gibraltar Defence Police. Uh, it's the Ministry side, like Clyde in UK, in Scotland. So that's a similar. We have here in Gibraltar.
1: Wow. I was uh, pleased to to meet you a year ago, Lee. Um, We had a couple of pints at that wee bar outside the (laughs) Victoria Stadium after Rangers had beaten uh, St. Joseph's. So they're making a a familiar trip back this week.
8: Yeah, like I said, um, they played St. Joseph's last year and um, it was an eventual um, evening for them also. Obviously, the scoreline was quite uh, outstanding for Rangers, but we'll see. It's uh, Lincoln this time... Um, Hope we don't get that of a uh, hammering this time around.
1: I should say it was a work assignment. I was uh, commentating for the BBC at the time. In case you uh, <laughs> yeah, get, get yeah. the get the wrong impression, but we we're just winding down uh, because uh, Lee was doing the local um, commentary. And uh, of course, you're, you, you've you've found fame as uh, well on a couple of counts. We'll get to the goal against Scotland, which uh, left us distraught at the time. In a moment, but uh, tell us tell us about your goal against Celtic, Lee.
8: Yeah, like I said, it's a momentous day for us, um, getting a result against the almighty Celtic here. The goal, like you say, is just uh, probably one of the best goals I've scored, uh, especially at that, that level. And and the magnitude it was, getting the result against Celtic is probably one, one didn't, one didn't realise what had happened until after the game, where the media was really on top of me. It felt like a really professional after the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, as you well know, it attracted massive publicity, and the, the the newspaper back pages and all the websites over here went into overdrive because it was uh, Brendan Rodgers' first match in charge, and um, it wasn't meant to happen as far as he was concerned, losing to a, a part time team in Gibraltar.
8: Yeah, like I said, uh, obviously, this time around, uh, probably Rangers, uh, Stephen Jarre will pretty. More cautious in in certain aspects because it's a one-off, one-leg game. It's a like a final really to get through, and um, who knows? We've, we've done it before, but realistically, Rangers comes hot favourites to beat us. But it's just a game where we'll try to defend as best as possible, create much much problems for them to to. To try and create any goals or the first half, and then from then onwards, we'll try and um, hit them on the break.
3: Lee, how's, how's the the club football at Lincoln Red Imps been since beating Celtic? Has the club progressed going forward, or has it dropped down the league a little bit?
8: Um, remember, I believe that uh, when we played Celtic, most of us had played together for so many years. We we're at a very old age, or, or in terms of football, most players have retired or just to stop playing football and then we've brought in new youth and um, more people from a very young age and trying to develop them to do what uh, we've done before really and that's why we are at the moment just a progression at the moment but still we, we we still have a the backbone of the team is still the same than when we played Celtic.
2: Lee, it's Ali here. I was just thinking about the fixture. Obviously, um, Rangers are coming to Gibraltar. How do you feel about that? Is that a bit of a, a boost for your side that you're not having to do any of the travelling?
8: Well, realistically, yes, because uh, I would have had to take time off from work or ask colleagues to cover me rather than play here. Yeah, it's easier because I, after the game, I'm coming straight back into work, so I don't have to ask for many more favours.
2: So you're doing a night shift after you play Rangers?
8: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
3: So... Would this yes. be a bigger shock beating Rangers this time round, or bigger beating Celtic? Just because you say the team has evolved a little bit, you would more experience back then, so this would probably be viewed as a bigger shock. Would you agree?
8: I would. I would think this is a bigger shock because it's happened before. And apart from that, um, we would get through. That's it. that's the main problem. That uh, there is not a second leg where you can go back to to IBox to to get a result. So that's the main problem in, in this situation because of COVID obviously.
1: It's all or nothing.
8: Yeah.
1: And it's a great excitement great excitement Lee about Steven Stephen Gerard uh, coming across with his team?
8: Yeah, because like I said, um probably one of the best premiership players, um he's really built a really good team, especially th- this year because of the the rivalry with Celtic that um if they win Celtic win the leagues I think they win uh, the, more leagues or, or they Ten equal the 10 in a league. row they had one yeah so they're really on top of the game this year so I think um, it's it going to be a really entertaining season for Scotland but obviously they have the Europa League which is really important for, for financially for, for both Celtic and Rangers people
1: who don't know any better say oh is is the game being played at the same stadium as St. As, uh, Joseph's last <laughs> year well there is a, there is only one stadium isn't there
8: yeah there's only one stadium hopefully they'll probably do another stadium well they're going to ref- refurbish this one once a new stadium is been built down at Europa Point but the the pitch is completely different to the one we played this uh, when we played against Celtic the the pitch we played against Celtic was quite in a bad state yeah the new ones we have there are just much more attractive and easier to play football on it still no water um sprinklers or anything for to water the pitch but it's probably a lot easier for for the players, especially professionals, to come and play here.
1: So, so could the surface be a little bit awkward for Rangers?
8: Well, I don't know because I believe that uh, there's still a few pitches in the U- in Scotland that actually have artificial pitches. Yeah. whether that's yeah. true or not. But like I said, the the weather is not as nice as, <laughs> back in Scotland as it is here. So no, that's, that's true. Where they benefit us. But yeah, it's just uh, we just have to be very compact defensively and then hit them on the break. That's uh, where we, we our strength and weakness are, are going to be.
3: And there's no doubt, Lee. That I know you've touched on it a couple of times, but the fact that it's a one-off leg means you can really go after the game on Thursday night. Or if you score, you can defend deep. You can get bodies behind the ball. You try and make it as awkward and as difficult for Rangers as you possibly can, won't you?
8: Yeah, like you said, it, it's just a one-off game where even they would be a bit more cautious because they they know that uh, any slip-up here will, will cause them a big stir back at home if they, they don't get through. So it, it, they've got to be cautious because realistically, seven or eight of us play for the national team. They, we just beat San Marino here. We know it's San Marino is a, a lower team like, uh, like us, but we still cause problems to many nations, especially when they come over to Gibraltar, like the likes of Republic of Ireland. The last time we came over, they beat us 1-0 here and they really struggled. So, I think we have a good opportunity. And probably the first 20-25 minutes are the most important part of, of of any game, especially here in Gibraltar.
3: Is it slightly concerning? I don't think you've played a competitive game since the last qualification round. Is that right? Apart well, from internationals? Yeah.
8: yeah, the team, yes. But uh, eight of us played... the. Uh, uh, for Gibraltar uh, a week ago, so at least we've got another okay. 19 minutes. Most of us, so it it really helps us in in that sense. And you're still
1: going strongly at the age of 38. Yeah, soon. In no, thoughts time, of, no thoughts. No thoughts of retirement. 39.
8: Not really. I'm still loving the game, and um, it's it, it's playing these games is where you realize how 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 you aspire, how how much you train daily to 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 get these kinds of games, and then an international level, it, it's something that um, I still have that love for football.
1: And your brothers, Ryan and Kyle, are they, are they still playing as well? Because they, they've obviously, like you, played for Gibraltar. It's quite incredible that, that the three brothers have, have all represented Gibraltar at international level.
8: Yep, um, both of them left last year. They went to St. Joseph, but neither of them weren't playing that much. So my brother Kyle has come back And I believe Ryan's still staying for this year. But uh, they're just, at the moment, they're struggling to get uh, into the first 11 of St. Joseph, my brother Ryan. But Kyle will probably, I think, he'll play some minutes on Thursday.
1: Right. Uh, I mentioned, we've obviously spoken about the goal against Celtic. What about the goal against Scotland? I, I actually watched it back. I watched it back earlier on. Well, just why to, did just, you do that well, to yourself? It was, it was agony. Um, re- not agony for you, but certainly agony for me and agony for Scotland at the time as well. Do you remember that
8: clearly? Yeah, like I said, it was another milestone for us. Like I said, but, but that's the only positive we got from the game. We still got lots from trash 6-1 um, for us. Me as an individual or as a player, I still go out to every match. Doesn't matter who we play against. Thinking you're gonna win. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, it, it's an important match. But I think um, after that, we've 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 played against the Armenia. We beat them there. Then we came here. we won against Liechtenstein. We beat beaten San Marino last week so i think certainly for certain things in especially in the nations league it's helping the smaller nations to compete at our level
1: and as you say that was a really proud moment because i think that was gibraltar's first goal wasn't it in qualification football
8: uh an official match yes yeah but my brother kai scored the first goal for gibraltar where we beat malta oh I see. So, so so do you so do you argue do,
1: do you argue <laughs> over which ones are more important then <laughs>
8: Not really. For important is when you get a result. Really, it's not scoring goal. It's just another. It's it's part of the team, really. Yeah, at at the moment I've been the lucky charm in that sense that against the Scottish teams where I've always scored. So, who knows on Thursday? But even if I'm talking to you, I'd probably think that um, I I would still think that I would create a chance or a create a chance will be created for me to try and uh, cause an upset.
2: You must be very proud of your brother, though, scoring as well.
8: Well, my parents are super proud because it's not very often to have three kids that actually play locally for the same team for 20-odd years and then play international. And like I said, it's a proud moment for the whole family and um, everybody in Gibraltar, really, because who would have thought that uh, six, seven, eight years ago you would have told me that we're going to play these games. I would have laughed because... I, w- I wouldn't think that um, playing UEFA or FIFA games would, would ever happen in, in my lifetime.
1: The Rangers fans will be hoping that you don't do the double having scored against Celtic. They'll be desperately hoping, Lee, that you don't do it on Thursday against them. Do you fancy yourself?
8: Like I said, uh, maybe two or three years ago, they they loved me because I scored against Celtic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I doubt uh, that even my boss um, is a Celtic fan. Then I've got other colleagues coming from Scotland that are uh, Rangers fans, so they're pushing. So it's a bit of, he's telling me, take the day off and, and don't worry <laughs> about uh, my boss. As Thanks. long as you do, do, the, do the double.
1: Yeah, incredible. Really good to talk to you again, Lee. All the best uh, for Thursday. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care of yourself. Okay, see ya. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Lee Cassiaro of Lincoln Red Imps And his day job as a policeman in Gibraltar This is the Go Radio Football Show
0: The Go Radio Football Show Let's go
1: Thanks to Nancy for the news in the first hour we heard from Motherwell midfielder Alan Campbell about his goal scoring exploits at the start of the season for club and for country for the Scotland Under-21s as well some interesting stuff from Sean Maloney about uh, mixing with the superstars of Belgium what a job he has and we've been finding out as well what awaits Rangers in Gibraltar on Thursday we're looking ahead shortly to uh, tomorrow night's match in Paisley St Mirren against Celtic that rearranged game in the Scottish Premiership, but let's go back and talk about what we were talking about right at the top of the show, and it was no action to be taken against Dundee United's Ryan Edwards after that challenge at Ibrox against Alfredo Morales on Saturday. Stuart and Sterling wants to say something about that.
7: Hi, Stuart. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Good, thanks. You. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Thanks. What did you? What yeah, do you? Yeah.
1: What, what do you think then? What did you think about the challenge? What do you think about the decision?
7: I think I think it's a correct decision. Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm a neutral observer, so I'm not really interested in teams or names of players or stuff. You're a
1: Sterling Albion fan.
7: Yeah, so I've got no no bias in this. So the tackle on its own, right? You've got a defender. He's coming in with his side foot. He connects with the ball at low level, and the fall through. Where Where is he supposed to go? With his fall through here, I've, I've no idea. You know what I mean? It's, it's a contact sport. And I think people get hung up on what sort of injuries become of it. These things are going to happen in the game. Uh, I just want to get the guys' thoughts on it.
1: So so you're happy with what happened on the pitch on the day and you're happy as well with what's happened subsequently in that there's going to be no retrospective action taken against Ryan Edwards? Yes.
7: I listened to Si yesterday and he got it spot on. If you're a centre-half and you're Mickey Mellon, you're hauling Ryan Edwards off if he doesn't go for that ball like that he's coming in with no pace at all it's side foot I've watched it back numerous times and I've heard uh, media outlets and stuff say that it's a horror tackle brutal it's, I can't I can't believe it myself Well we've honest. got a no
1: nonsense tough tackling bite yeah. your legs centre back well, in the <laughs> studio and, <laughs> and, and, and Stephen yeah. Craig and-
3: yeah, it's, it's funny because all that talk if you would you know if it was Mickey Mellon you'd drag him off I think that's completely irrelevant because you know you just said it there it's a contact sport well you can't mm-hmm. put your studs in somebody's thigh. And that's well, wait, wait, because that's where the contact the takes place. That's where the contact where, takes place. Yeah, going by the laws of the game. Ga- Sorry, just going by the laws of the game. A tackle that endangers the safety of an opponent. Now, and the tackle doesn't finish after he plays the ball. The tackle finishes when his movement stops and his and his movement finishes on his thigh. So, listen. Back in the day, you'd have said no chance. But because of the laws <laughs> have changed so much, you know, the laws no, have that, changed so much. Do you understand why? Do you think why the Stuart's
2: meaning like how. From that position, is he supposed to like flick his leg back, or what is he supposed to do <laughs> exactly. to be able to not have yeah. that contact? Well,
3: we watched the one a couple of weeks ago between Joe Shogunsey and uh, Ross Stewart. Jo- it's completely different. Well, he's it's... not going in
5: at that pace. Well, he's not that
3: But but the question is, where does he put his leg then?
7: Yeah. So you're you're basically saying Craig, don't go in for that tackle. That's what you're telling yourself, has. as a reserve
3: manager. No. Going for that no. tackle. Go for the tackle, but ultimately, if your studs end up how, on his thigh, there's a good chance you're going to get a red card. You, you tell me as a defender how you go in for that tackle safely. Well, there's no, there's no set way exactly, of going safely.
7: Exactly, no. exactly. You're basically saying don't go in for it.
3: No, but but no, if you but, check the laws of the game, yeah, I mean, sh- we're
7: dealing we're dealing with a different
3: rule book
1: now. Yeah, is, that, are, is, that not, is that not the key point here? That, no, that's, that, right. that that's a tackle that, that the Ryan Edwards tackle wouldn't even have raised an eyebrow no, a few have. a few years ago. No, uh, 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 r- but but.
7: but r- uh,
2: but I guess at See, the end of the day, the referees have said he's not getting a red card for it.
7: So, but so yeah. oh, I'm, I'm delighted at that as as a player myself, uh, you just it's just hard to you obviously hard to watch that man.
3: Yeah, uh, I think it's a follow through. You know, whether it's with pace or with not. You know, they the referee can't decide brutality or or uh, I, or brute force. I appreciate
7: that. Tag, but see as Ali says, it's not seeing you're taking that ball at that level, you're going up there, where do you go with that fall through? Do you just I don't know how you No, don't.
3: and, and well, dive out the way. But, but that's the problem uh, players hi. but that's the problem players are faced with. Because the laws aye, of the game aye, are aye, all favoured traditionally it, towards it, the referees and you know, so they can cover themselves as much as possible. Um, it's just becoming a nonsense, I think. And I'll be honest, What's I bad. don't think Ran Edwards meant or had any malice in the tackle.
2: There was no intent it,
3: to harm. No, none at all. Aye, aye. None at I all, but the correct, ultimately
7: the, the correct decision has been uh, agreed. Yeah, to be honest.
3: The thing is, then, I it's hope. about it's it's how referees interpret the law. Another mm-hmm. referee could have said on the day red, so that that gives them a little bit of freedom to kind of move with that. But you know, just on what I've watched over the past kind of year, eighteen months for those kind of tackles, you know, more often than not, the red card has been shown you, and or a red card has you, been given.
7: Do you do you personally think that that's the way it should be going? Do you think it's better to keep going more and more? Basically, well, it, non-contact sport.
3: Well, that's what it's boiling down to. Any kind of physical contact, and I don't mean studs and thighs, I just mean even bodily contact or, or touching or pushing or or anything like that is slowly getting eradicated out of football. I still think people but, like the odd 50-50 tackle and the hardness and the physicality side of it, but now everyone's becoming quite precious of, of certain tackles and certain incidents. I'm not talking about that one alone. And, and and Players at times are making the job so hard for referees with minimal contact and going down. But you know the laws of the game are continually changing all the time, and I just think by looking at the law and by looking at where his foot was, I think in this day and age, whether I agree with it or not, I think it's a red card.
7: I'd I'd, I'd, I'd like your opinion, Stephen, on it. What do you think it is for the better? in that in that tackle? Do you think that is good for the
3: game that that's, you think it should be a red card? Well, ultimately, we want players to be safe on the pitch. And ah, oh, come on,
7: it's a, know, a 50-50 and he's he's got the ball low level, is falling through. He's not. He's not going at pace, he's not going in with this see see the stud down. That's sort what of no. emotion stamping. It's it's just it's never a follow. No,
3: but just when you said it again, follow through. Because you, you know, I didn't mention that you mentioned the word follow through and that's what normally referees would traditionally but look but at.
7: Because the tackle still doesn't not end the question. You've still not answered the question. Where do you go with your follow through
3: there? Well that, that, that's not my problem to see where he goes. Because that's what that's the art that, that has to try to be perfected. Referees don't care where.
7: But I'm looking for you your boy. opinion as a centre, a centre half.
3: I, half? Are you half? I would if, have went for that tackle. If I had had the ball was there, I'd have had to go for that tackle. If if my foot had end up in exactly. a thigh, I would have expected a red card. Mm. What's
7: your th- What's I, your opinion, Rob?
2: Well, <laughs> well uh, Rob's been staying out. No, of this. No, no, not probably. at all. I
1: mean, I, I think that I mean there's there's this phrase in the rules about is a is a tackle liable to cause injury. Well. It wasn't just liable to cause injury, it did cause injury. Yeah. Now I like like you say, Stuart, I, I do I don't think it was a it wasn't a malicious challenge. It was, you know, he wasn't no. setting out to hurt him, but the reality was he did. The reality was his studs went into his
7: leg and, and, so and what? Well, so if you're saying you're a perfectly timed challenge along the deck, but you cause an injury to somebody, that's that. Yeah, that's I the think so. I mean,
1: sometimes, sometimes you know, you get the ball, well, but you go beyond the yeah, ball, you well, go through the ball, and, it, and you and you then make contact. It with depends it, with your
3: it. context, Stuart. Because if you make a sliding tackle and your foot stays in the ground and the player falls and, her, and hurts his own ankle, but if you make a sliding tackle and your foot gets raised and catches a player above the ankle or below the knee through the follow uh, of, uh, of the tackle, then yes, that that has to be a punishment.
2: I guess is there uh, a thought of injury? A, and a scratch, do you mean like
7: yeah, causing I a big injury a or like a, a scratch? I, I don't know. Aye, it's just a gash in the leg, and that sort of causes a gash. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that's an instant red
3: card. These things happen in football. So I mean, you you know yourself, uh, Stephen. Yeah. you played it. No, no, listen, I get you, but I just think the gash being on somebody's thigh. From someone else's stud. I think we yeah, might be. I, th- I think we might be in an agree, agree to dis- <laughs> disagree scenario here, Stuart. <laughs> I but think I, like I get point. what you're like meaning, it. Stuart. Listen, I like yeah. you coming on and arguing yeah. your point, and giving yeah, yeah. your point, because we're trying to get to the bottom of yeah. what's right and
1: what's wrong. You, you make a, You make a really good point. I think a lot of people would side with you, Stuart, as well. That, yeah. that we're getting a little bit soft in the game in terms no, of what no. what isn't allowed. But it. But it's the rule book. Uh, and and then beyond that you have the interpretation of it by an individual referee and that's going to vary game to game as we well know weekend to weekend right throughout the season because we talk about it plenty well, listen, Stuart, yeah. Stuart thanks. thanks. We, you, we, 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 could shopping, we could keep on going. We could keep on going on 7, Stuart. but we're not going to. <laughs> good, good to. Good to hear from you, Stuart. Thanks very much. Indeed, guys. that tackle well. by Edwards on Morellis. No further action to be taken. Uh, you can do it. Stuart's done and get in touch. Give us a call
2: 0808 08 17 17 700 or you can drop us a text 87474 Put go at the start of your message or just easily jump on the socials. All of them are the same at Go Football Show.
1: Scott is a Hearts fan in Edinburgh. Hi Scott. Hi there, Rob Howden. Very Hello. well, how's you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. What would you like to say?
0: Yeah, uh, I just wanted to come on this evening uh, just to sort of make a little bit of a point regarding the handling of the loan crisis with mm-hmm. St. Minnan from last week. Uh, so, as you all know, they had to loan in Bobby Zomal from Hearts, uh, very much last minute due to the free keepers not being available. From a heart's point of view, this lack of common sense being shown by the authorities seems to have had another impact on the club. So, due to Anne Budge spending the whole summer sort of advocating that we had a moral compass when the rest of the organisation didn't, meant that she kind of almost, I feel, has been sort of backed into a corner and had to pretty much allow Zilmal to go to St Mirren kind of to show to save face and I kind of feel like again due to the lack of leadership amongst the SBFL and SFA we're having to sort of carry the can as a club and it's led to quite a lot of sort of dissatisfaction amongst many ranks of the support uh, due to the fact that we have allowed one of our rivals from last season to sort of take on one of our players uh, in need and I just wondered how the how the panel sort of felt about that if they had any opinions
3: Stephen well do you know for a fact that 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 hearts were forced? You know that's the kind of language you're saying forced to put Bobby's lamal out and alone because surely at any stage Anne Budge could have said, "Do you know what? No, we're not doing it." Or Robbie Nielsen could have said, "Do you know what? I'm not doing it." So, is that Apolo- kind of
0: yeah. apologies for how I put that across? No, that's there, okay. It's okay. I think it was more in terms of how she felt morally. She, because of her actions and because of her statements throughout the summer, she was probably obliged to do it so that she could sort of like you know show the actions on, on the back of her words from the summer, so to speak. Mm. Uh, I'm not I'm not suggesting anyone has the power to, to rule that Hart's had to make that decision. I think it was just more a case of she felt that she had to do that and it was purely off the back of the lack of common sense being shown that by the authorities because really the game shouldn't have went ahead.
2: Mm. Do you know, it's funny you say that, Scott, because um, Jim Goodwin was saying earlier today in the press conference that there should have been things put in place to prevent such... Um, occasions as what happened at the weekend so that if anyone in a speciality position like the goalkeepers were unable to play for any of the teams a precedent would have been set because it's hard to set it now after now it's happened
3: yeah. So Scott that would probably tell you just on the back of what Ali said you'll not be surprised that the uh, the football authorities didn't have that put in place and after the summer you've had at Hearts you'll you know nothing will surprise you about the leadership of Scottish football I'd imagine
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. And and it's just one of those situations, you know, the club spent the last two or three months trying to get the fans sort of on site uh, due to many fans' feelings about how they handled the Craig Levine situation and then the Daniel Stendhal appointment. And now it's kind of almost having to press the reset button. There's a lot of fans unhappy with the club making the decision to support St Mirren. And I kind of felt like it was a no-win situation for Anne Budger. If you would said no, if the club had said no to St Mirren's request, then naturally that wouldn't have looked good from the outside looking in. But because they have adhered to the request, it now doesn't look good in the eyes of a lot of the fans who have just spent money on season tickets. And let's be honest, probably aren't too sure if a season's really going to go ahead and pan out. Yeah.
1: In a more general sense, Scott, are you supportive of Anne Budge in terms of what she's done, how she's led the club through the summer?
0: Uh, she's quite an interesting figure. I, I do I admire her Willingness to to not sort of just uh, toe the party line, uh, but I do think that she does struggle to gauge her own support at times, and I felt like that was a big downfall again, going back to the Craig Levine situation. But you know, no one can too, accuse too, her was of she too uh, Was she
1: too loyal? I I, I don't know.
0: I, I don't know if it's that or just a bit of stubbornness. Uh, it's, it's it's a hard one to gauge, but. Again, I feel like she's now having to press the reset button. It's almost as if the last five or six years haven't happened. and It's going to take quite a lot of hard work now to probably win back some of the fans over.
2: What do you think she could do to win you back?
0: uh, I mean, me personally, I just want to get back to just playing football. Uh, All the politics stuff that's happened in the last two or three months, I'm not really over-fussed about, but you can see the impact it's having on a lot of fans. Uh, that might decrease once the football starts again but, but just now I think it's it's going to take a lot uh, ultimately it's probably more down to Robbie Nielsen now how fans are going to look at Ann Buds because if we get results on the park people will probably stop analysing what she's doing as much.
1: Is the decision to relegate Hearts now history in your head Scott? Is it all about bouncing straight back? Uh, you can't do anything about it now so is, is that wiped out of the memory banks meantime?
0: Yeah, I think that was that, that should always have been the case, to be perfectly honest. I think the way that Harps reacted to it was how every club would have handled it. But then on the flip side, the way that every club went into self preservation mode would have been the same way Harps would have done if they'd been in a similar situation. It should really have just been put to bed months ago. And I think now, like there's still toxic boycotts and other things, but I think ultimately the fans just need to concentrate on supporting whichever eleven players are wearing the room, eh, in the first league game.
1: Scottish football hasn't done itself too many favours, has it, Crags, uh, no, over the it, last few months?
3: It hasn't, no. Uh, and it's it's put I mean Scott's saying there about clubs going into self preservation. That's the only thing clubs were ever going to do because mm-hmm. ultimately people who were safe in the top flight were wanting to make sure they kept their little gold pot. They wanted to make sure they were a top flight club. Um and it was hard to try and get clubs to think if you were in Hart's position, what would you do? How would you feel? You know, and they would all felt the exact same way as Hart. So Hart's done everything they possibly could. Um, ultimately you know they didn't win enough games in that shortened season could they have turned it around in the next 6, six, seven, eight games who knows and it will always be a little black mark over that kind of scenario could they have done it so um, I mean if Anne Budge has went above and beyond and allowed Blobby's Lamal to go to St Myrne I think her stock rises for me just the fact that she's been able to say well do you know what bygones be bygones my club needs to progress we can't keep holding grudges the rest of our life and we'll move things on not all Hearts fans will see it that way ultimately but you're right. You know, I think there was a lot of went on in Scottish football over that lockdown that that people won't forget, and people will always look at, and people will always point a finger, and I think it's fully justified.
1: What do you make, Scott, of uh, Dundee's signing of Charlie Adam? That's been confirmed today as a two-year deal. It's some some signing for them, and uh, I take it you would see Dundee as your as your big rivals in terms of promotion.
0: It's it's a great signing on paper, but the, it, it does seem to sort of throw up some parallels to us signing Glen Whelan last year, where. He's signed a very experienced player, great pedigree, but ultimately if you don't surround him with legs, it's not going to work. So it'll be interesting to see if James McPake can then bring in other players that sort of complement Charlie Adam. But on paper, it's definitely a it's a great statement from uh, Dundee and it'll signal with it their intent, I would imagine.
1: Thanks for calling, Scott. Good to hear from you. No problem. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Scott. Cheers. Cheers, Scott. All the best. On the Go Radio Football Show, we're going to be speaking to Brian Graham soon. He, the Partick Thistle striker, is about to take charge of the Thistle women's team as well. We're also going to be talking a whole lot more and hearing from Neil Lennon and Jim Goodwin about that St Mirren Celtic game tomorrow night. The, Bull Radio,
0: the Bull Go Radio Football Show.
1: Why don't you get involved, Stuart from Sterling? Did he mixed it with Stephen Cragan about that tackle? of Edwards on Morellis at Ibrox on uh, Saturday. In the end, they had to agree to disagree. Also heard from Scott in Edinburgh, Hearts fan, uh, talking about that emergency loan of Bobby's Lamal. Well, it kicked off speaking about that and uh, we went in depth on uh, Hearts and uh, Scottish football, how it reacted through the summer. You can do what they did. You can get involved like this.
2: Just give us a call. 0808 17 17 700. Drop us a text 87474. Put go at the start or jump on those socials at go football show. I just
3: Yeah. Pressure buzzer. That Stuart's texted me privately and said I was right. So thanks, Did Stuart. I appreciate that. Can I, can I, can I see oh, the yeah, evidence? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I just deleted his number <laughs> didn't I didn't think it
1: was fair to keep all of his number. I don't, I don't believe you for a minute <laughs> uh, we're yet. into the final half hour uh, some great chat already on the show we'd Alan Campbell early on the Motherwell midfielder with Sean Maloney talking uh, the superstars of Belgium we'd uh, Lee Cassiaro of Lincoln Red Imps uh, telling us what Rangers can expect in Gibraltar on Thursday next up let's talk to a man who's going to be a very busy man in the next few weeks and months maybe as already uh, Brian Graham of Partick Thistle, hi Brian. Hi, how are you doing? How many jobs have you got? Just the two at the moment. <laughs> just, <laughs> just the two. Partick Thistle striker and uh, announced today that you're going to be uh, running the Thistle women's team.
9: Yeah, I've got training tonight with the girls so that will kick off at about half past seven so I'm looking forward to it. Is that your first session with that? I've, I've been to three sessions but I've just been watching but tonight will be the first session taking them so it's, I'm looking forward to it. Me and Ross i will, will be there tonight. How did that come around Brian? I'd seen they'd advertised it and I spoke to Beth from the office and it just kind of grew arms and legs to be honest with you and then the next minute they kind of offered me the job and I got Richard in to help me and Ross's Richard Foster, well yeah. Too. Yeah, Richard Foster's helped me so it's it's, kinda, it's been really quick but it's something I'm really relishing and looking forward to. I, I think I was going to go into coaching after the game anyway but this just came quicker than expected.
1: Has Richard Foster agreed to do what he's
9: told? Come on, you know what that's that's not gonna happen.
2: <laughs> Brian, it's Ali here. So Richard Foster's your assistant, Ross Doherty is your coach, and you're all still gonna to continue to play full time?
9: Yeah, we're all continue to stay full time football at the moment. None of these are hanging the boots up just as yet, but this is another wee side thing that we think we can do well at, so we're giving it a go.
2: I love well, that, a wee side thing.
1: <laughs> how are the practicalities of it? I mean how how does your how's your working week gonna go?
9: Obviously training, you usually get a Wednesday off, the girls train Tuesday, Thursday night, they're going to have a game on a Sunday. Obviously I've got my own game on a Saturday, and plus I've got my wee boys football Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so I don't think i have been in the house much.
3: <laughs> Brian, Bra- what do you hope to get out of it? What's what's the ultimate aim of going into coaching now, just to see where it takes you?
9: Well, it's a great opportunity. When the right time to go into coaching? I'm 33 in November, so obviously you can't play football forever it's been it's an opportunity that's kind of been sprung on me and one I'm really relishing, so why not take it and see how it goes?
1: But, I mean, you're still, you know, still scoring goals. I mean, you've scored goals wherever you've been. I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but when you, when you look at your your stats, I mean, um, Morton, East Stirling, Wraith, Dundee United, St. Johnston, County, Hibbs, Cheltenham Town, back to Kenty, now Partick Thistle. Uh, I mean, you must be really proud um, when you look at that goals column, Alongside appearances, because you you have done it, you have delivered wherever you've been.
9: Yeah, I've always been confident from a young age. Whenever I played, I would always score goals. It's something I've been quite lucky to carry through my career. Going to Partick first in January was a family decision, and obviously we never knew it was round the corner. But it was something I believed I could go there and keep them up. I truly believe that. I still believe that would have been the case. But obviously, whatever has happened, we found ourselves in League One, and then they got on me and dust ourselves down, and got a big season ahead.
1: Yeah, when we were speaking to Scott, the Hearts fan, there just a few minutes ago, he, he was speaking about, I guess, wiping it away eventually and getting on with it, drying your eyes, I suppose, and, and getting on with the reality of the situation. But it was it was devastating. I mean, Hearts, I guess, got a lot of headlines, but Park Thistle are a, are a big club to be to be dropping down another level as well, aren't they? Yes,
9: yeah, obviously, it hurts. It still hurts. I don't think that will ever go away. It's, Something I've never experienced before in football. When you get a game in hand, you, you get relegated. I don't think the hurt will ever go away, but we've got to use that as motivation for our season ahead. It won't be easy. We've got Falkirk in the league, Cove Rangers. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of good part-time teams like East Fife. So it's going to be a hell of a challenge. But we've got to be up, ready for it, training hard, and Saturday we've got to deliver.
1: How's the Thistle squad?
9: Yeah, I think. We're, I think everybody's come back from lockdown particularly fit. We're, we're looking fit in pre-season the manager in the call is working really hard and there's, there's a different feel factor about it to be honest with you since the first few weeks I was in at the club there's a lot of new bodies and there's a lot of hungry bodies wanting to do well for the football club I think it's, that's something new and I think it'll improve the squad
2: Brian, uh, thinking of having chatted to a lot of the women in the, in the women's game have you looked at other women's coaches when you're taking on this role or are you thinking about the, the men's game because I, I know a lot of them feel it's a completely different game
9: no, I've, well, I've not actually spoken to any of the ladies, as women in it, but I've spoken to, to other people that have been involved in the game, and they said it's totally different. They said you need to get to know the girls on a personal level. It's not like the men's game you go in and you do the training, you go away. You need to spend a bit of time with the girls. That's been the best bit of advice I've got. And the, free, the, the free session I've got with them, we play the game on Sunday as well, and I think that's all that it's really building. With your
2: league starting, it's going to be the 18th of October, if I'm not mistaken, the Sunday against Glasgow Women's. Have you had even sort of started to get that into your head or has that not even come across your radar yet?
9: No, I've spoken to them about it. The girls are all kind of focused on it. To be fair, The first cut of sessions I was in, I was really surprised at the determination of the work rate because the girl benefit was taking on, I was just kind of shadow and having a wee look for myself. and They all did what told. They worked really hard and I was quite surprised by that because obviously the men's side of things... You go back pre-season, there are a lot of moanings and groans about doing the runs, but to be fair to the girls, they all put their head down and just worked hard, and I was really impressed by that.
1: And you're in um, SWPL 2 aren't you? So so you're looking for a double promotion this season for the men's and the women's yeah, team?
9: definitely. Obviously, everything from Parthic Fist as a, as a club as a whole has been through over the past few months. Wouldn't it be great if we can get the the women's team up and the men's team up in the one year and have more of a celebration and forget about the dark days, basically?
3: I mean, there's been a lot of talk over the past few years, hasn't there, about trying to promote the women's game, trying to get it into the spotlight and get people talking about it. I think the appointment of yourself, Richie and Ross, that should certainly do that for your club, shouldn't
9: it? Yeah, that's, that's when we spoke to Beth and that. they said, do you want the job? We, we said yes, but then they said this would be great for the football club, getting yourselves in, guys that have played the game for a number of years now, and it'll raise the profile even more. But I think it, it's been doing that itself, but If we can help that in any way, shape or form, then it'll be great.
1: Is education still required, do you think, Brian, about the women's game? Are there misconceptions?
9: Yeah, I think, listen, I'm just new to the job. I'm learning. I'm not going in there. I'm going in there to learn. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying I know everything about it, but it'll be a learning process for me. But I think across the board, I think everybody needs to open their eyes to it and realise it's getting bigger.
1: You've had a few managers along the way to, mm-hmm. to get some bits and pieces from to piece together what you would be like and what you will be like as a as a coach and a manager. Uh, as you look back over your, your career, uh, tell us about some of the managers you've had and what you might take from the way they went about their business.
9: Well, to be honest with you, most of them, bar one or two, that I probably didn't get on with. Oh, come on, name, name names. <laughs> <laughs> Not naming names, but most of the managers I had were just dedicated winners and that's why I think I did so. I've done so well. Been getting so many clubs. I've never been out of contract, which has been really lucky. And if you put that mentality into here with winning games, training as well as you can Monday to Friday, make sure you mentally prepared for a Saturday, and obviously take that on board.
1: And so, I mean, what what type of manager are, are you? What what type what type of manager will you be?
9: Well. I would probably describe, my, describe myself as a fiery character on the pitch. I like to moan, but I don't think that'll be my manager style. I think I'll tone it down a bit when it comes to a, a Sunday game. My Saturday, I'll get the rage out, and Sunday, I'll be more understanding to what's going on.
2: I was going to say, Alan, do you think that's why all the women had their heads down when you came to watch the training?
3: <laughs> Possibly. I suppose then you've got to look at the other way, Brian. That you know, this, uh, the men's team are, are full time. That's their employment. The women, as much as they're enjoying the football, it's it's still probably part of a hobby for them isn't it as well so you know, it's going to have to be enjoyable it's going to have to be enthusiastic it's all probably about encouragement and trying to progress them
9: Yeah well I've got girls travelling from Edinburgh and stuff like that so they're doing it because they want to do it so there's no they're not coming because we're telling them to come they want to come they enjoy coming so that's obviously a, a good factor to the club and Jackie always got high high standards and she wants to see the, the team progress and hopefully in the next five years you never know the official team could be full time
1: is there a danger that it drains your energy? Is that I mean, was that a concern agreeing to the two roles, Brian? That that, you know, because of what you will be pouring in to your new role, that that might take away from from what you do day to day, week to week, as a as a part of thistle player?
9: No, well that kinda of came up when I spoke to Jackie. She asked me the same question and I said, I don't think it will. I think I still I'm really fit. I've went back, I've worked hard the, pre- the lockdown, sorry, I was working myself five day, days a week to make sure I was getting back properly fit and I feel as if I've got the benefit of that the past few weeks pre-season I'm, I think my fitness levels are really high and I've got two young kids so I'm always on my feet anyway so I don't think it'll be a factor I think I'll still be really focused when it comes to Saturday at 3 o'clock to play for the Man's team
1: Brian, good to hear from you uh, thanks for joining us on the show no problem. Go- good luck with your two Look, jobs and let us, know yeah. if you, let us know if you managed to add a third job as well because you're going to have, <laughs> a, you're gonna have I, a spare time I reckon
2: it will be Kitty's coach yeah.
1: yeah, well you've got your kids yeah. to deal with as well haven't you? But uh, yeah, all, exactly. the best to you, all the best to you Brian
9: Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Oh, that's uh,
1: Brian Graham yeah. of Partick Thistle, and now the uh, manager of the Partick Thistle women's team as well. I haven't had a chance so far, Stephen, to ask you about that uh, Charlie Adam uh, signing for, for Dundee, the former Rangers player. Fantastic career south of the border as well. I mean, Scott, the Hearts fan who we heard from earlier on, he was sort of saying, well, you know, will he have the legs? Will they be able to surround him with the right sort of players that allow Charlie Adam to do what he yeah. does best?
3: Well, I think the key to it all. You know, I imagine speaking to Charlie over the summer that that Dundee will been wanting to see what his appetite was all about. You know, not coming back to Dundee to sign a two-year deal because his boyhood club, just to kind of put his feet up, rob and switch off. So, you know, if he's got a real appetite for the game, then I can imagine he'll be an asset. You know, set plays in particular. You know, whether it's corner kicks, even free kick edge of the box, he's always had a you know magic left foot. So, um, I think having Graham Dorans in there as well, you know, it, it certainly, you know they're ageing, shall we say, but certainly handling the ball and moving the ball and, you know, being that example for young players. You know, James will probably have you know quite a lot of younger players in the squad, young Finn Robertson, for example, who who plays midfield. You know, what two great midfield players to look up to in Charlie Adam and and uh, Graham Doran. So, listen, you know, Charlie's always spoke passionately about Dundee. Now he gets a chance to go and replicate, you know, what he would like to have done when he was a kid, which was play for Dundee. But, you know, I think Scott was right was it said that you know, you have to go and deliver. You've got to go and show people you're really still up for the uh, for the challenge. So I think if, if uh, Charlie could get them promoted, then I think he would look upon a job done.
1: Still time to get involved on the Go Radio football show. How do we get in
5: touch, Ali?
2: Yeah, give us a call. Sorry, I was just looking at all the excellent Marin players at Dundee United and thinking Jakubi- Dundee. Uh, sorry Dundee and Jakubiak who's Should just gone he Mullen. might be yeah Mullen's might be quite Mullen. interesting i um, sorry oh, wait, oh wait, <laughs> any, any <laughs> 17, or see that's what i would talk about if i was calling or you could drop us a text eight seven four 87474 put go at the start of your message or alternatively just jump on those socials at go Football show
1: we're hear from neil lennon shortly about that game uh tomorrow night but let's hear first uh, from jim goodwin and uh St Mirren Celtic of course in Paisley um, tomorrow night but uh, lots of people still talking about that St Mirren Hibbs match at the weekend could it have been postponed?
10: I can understand from the SPFL's point of view that they don't want to be cancelling games every single week, but I think there needs to be, well, it should have been prior to Saturday, uh, a rule in place that, you know, if this kind of thing happened to the goalkeeping department, then there has to be special dispensation as far as I'm concerned. You know, if it was if the shoe hadn't been on the other foot uh, and Hibbs were in a similar situation, I would have been very understanding of it and I would have had no problem whatsoever with postponing the game. And as we were saying
1: earlier on the show uh, someone somewhere is probably frantically scribbling a new rule to slot into the rulebook uh, even now about uh, situations mm-hmm. like this where a whole
3: chunk of a team is missing should it have been postponed Craigs? Well I think certainly from the goalkeeping perspective I think the Yifa rule says that as long as there's 13 players fit to start or fit and available for selection the association itself can determine whether the game goes ahead or not anything less than that then uh, team can be at a severe disadvantage so then the game can be called off what about left backs or holding midfielders well, but you see that's the problem because someone else can fill in that position mm. you know if you're a right back you can play left back if you're a centre half you can yeah, play but we can back but
1: tr- I mean, if you lose say your two or three holding midfielders yeah. in, the, Aye, in, in the squad would you yeah. have gone
3: in as a goalie well what I'm <laughs> saying is I think the managers would accept that a little bit more Rob than it would be a goalkeeper because it's such a specialised mm. position you know uh, I certainly know outfield players have went and goal before. I remember Ryan Stevenson doing it one night for Wraith Rovers yeah. down at Air United, I think it was. And I think it becomes a laughing stock if you have an outfield player and goal. So if all three goalkeepers are at risk and they're moved on, you know, the pressure put on Jim over Friday and Friday night trying to get a goalkeeper in, frantically making phone calls would have upset his preparation. Yes, it would have done. No doubt about it. So I think, you know, that's something that should have been looked at quite clearly wasn't. Um but then ultimately again, when you look at the game. Jim will be disappointed how his team played, how they defended the three goals. He won't get away from that fact. That probably played into the, uh, you know, his disappointment a little bit more. The goalkeeper thing was still probably annoying him. His team didn't play as well as what they can do. He didn't defend well and didn't match runs. You know, probably a little bit unfortunate. Didn't get a penalty. I think the third goal could have been chalked off as well. So all that put together made him very emotional after the game. He's probably talking about it now in a cool, calm manner, and he's thought that rule needs to be looked at. And I think he's absolutely spot on.
1: At least Bobby's Lamal will have a bit more preparation for tomorrow night than he did ahead of the Saturday game.
10: Today in training, it was great to be able to, um, you know, just give Bobby a better idea of how we want to play and, and what we expect of him. You know, we had to give him a lot of information ninety minutes before the game on Saturday, and as you can imagine, um, you know, the big man. It was all a real rush for him. Yeah, it was all a bit of a strange scenario for him, no doubt as well. But as I said, we're, we're grateful that we've got someone of his experience available to us.
1: Apologies for the quality. That's Jim on the the Zoom. Um, so it's going to be tough for Bobby's Lamal tomorrow. Tough for his team as well against the champions.
10: Well, obviously, we're massive underdogs. that pressure is always on Celtic and Rangers, you know, and even more so now with Celtic. There's even more pressure on them because you know the, the fans aren't satisfied with the nine in a row. You know, they want ten in a row, and they expect their team to come to Paisley tomorrow night and to roll us over. And, and just- we've got to use that to our advantage.
1: And just before we go to the break, uh, here's Jim on on VAR and touching on something that Stephen was talking about just a couple of minutes ago. VAR would have awarded us a penalty.
10: VAR would have chalked off Hibs' third goal. And I think all of our referees in this country need some help and support. And if we've got a facility like that available to us, then we should be looking at trying to bring it into our game. But with clubs,
1: Craig's losing money Mm. hand over fist. That ain't happening.
3: Well that's that's the hard bit. You know, somewhere along the line clubs will have to invest in it as well. Uh you know, listen, we watch what goes on down in the Premier League in England and some of the stuff is absolutely shambolic. And I've said in the past, if it's gonna be how they do it down there, we don't want it up here. Although Jim's still feeling a little bit hurt by what happened at the weekend, the game could have turned, he could have had a penalty kick, the third goal wouldn't have stood. So many things in that. So um it's judged on game by game basis, but on the bigger term, as I say, if it's done as it's done in England, I'd we didn't have it.
1: One piece of good news for St Mirren is that Lee Griffiths is not involved for Celtic tomorrow night. What is happening with the Celtic and Scotland striker we're going to ask Neil Lennon after this.
0: The Ball Radio Football Show. Let's go.
1: We've had some great callers tonight. Still time to get involved on the Go Radio Football Show 0808 17 17 700 874 74 on the texts at Go Football Show. Looking ahead, we have been tonight to that Lincoln Red Imps against Rangers Europa League game on Thursday at four, uh, followed by Motherwell in action in Northern Ireland against Coleraine and Aberdeen uh, in Norway to face Viking. Let's wish all three all the best in uh, European action this week. Before that, of of course it's that game we've been speaking about in Paisley uh, tomorrow night it's a 7.45 kickoff. the rearranged meeting of St Mirren and Celtic uh, before we heard about the Go Radio breakfast show uh, we were hearing from Jim Goodwin on a variety of topics uh, Saints going to have it tough against Celtic uh, tomorrow night so let's hear from Neil Lennon now and uh, what's happened to the missing man Lee
4: Griffiths when will he be back in the Celtic team? He's fit, yeah, but uh, he's not in the squad. He's not. He's not trained. or played enough football to be ready yet. You know, it's just lack of training and lack of game time that's you know stopping him from being in the squad at the minute. In terms of calf, strain, It looks like he's over the worst of that now.
1: Does Neil Lennon sound a bit exasperated there?
3: Well, probably because he gets asked the same questions continually, you know, and he continually gives the same answers back out again. I mean, I, I would imagine if, if Lee Griffiths was fit, Neil Lennon would announce that he was fit. But for people asking the same repetitive questions all the time, it must kind of grind you down a little bit. It must be, you know, become a little bit boring. And the only thing, I suppose the other thing you can compare it to is across the city, Stephen Gerrard, at every press conference, there's a question about Alfredo Morales. Mm. Is he fit? Is he not fit? Is he leaving? Is he staying? Is he going to start? Is he not going to start? Is he in your squad? And it seems to be the same for Neil Lennon. How's Lee Griffiths? How's Lee Griffiths? And
1: yeah, but could there not be exasperation that Lee Griffiths ain't ready and by the sounds of that, ain't going to be ready anytime soon?
3: No, it doesn't. But, you know, what will please Neil Lennon is the fact that his other strikers are all firing and scoring goals. They're all fully fit. Edward's back on the side again. I think they looked a different side on Saturday. Certainly, second half with Edward on the team, he makes them tick, he makes them play. So it's up to Lee Griffiths to get himself fit, first and foremost, get himself in the right shape physically to go and push for Neil Lennon's side. So, is he exasperated, he's probably frustrated because he knows a player of, of Lee Griffiths quality, fully fit, will score goals and guarantee goals. So, not having that option available, of course, will be frustrating.
1: Albion Ayeti has done so far what it says on the tin, uh, not fully sharp and fit and ready yet. He's come twice off the bench, played an hour at the weekend in Dingwall against Ross Kenty. But in those uh, three little cameo appearances, he's managed three goals and Neil Lennon's got to be pleased with that.
4: I'm delighted what he's brought to the team and the dressing room, whether he plays with Odson or he plays with Clamal or he plays with Griffiths. You know, we've got a goal scorer and a, a very good centre forward in the building, so... I think there's a lot more to come from him. And I think once he is able to, you know, get his cardiovascular up to the, the level that we know he can, then, you know, we'll, we'll see more of him. Crags, he looks a natural born mm. goal scorer
3: to me. He does. It's funny. I was at the game on Saturday and I was thinking for long spells. He's not getting involved. He doesn't really... And I'd watched some of his clips beforehand and I thought he looked really physical and wanted the back end of the defenders. Listen, it's maybe slightly different I'm saying level of football, but you know maybe with teams sitting a bit deeper, there's not as much space for him to get you know kind of do his work. But certainly in and around the 18-yard box, he comes alive, um, which is probably very similar to Lee Griffiths, isn't it? Anywhere in that double six-yard box, you talk about that's where the majority of goals are scored. I think over 80% of goals are scored. I suppose
1: Lee Griffiths got the long-range shooting as well.
3: Well, yeah, you know he's got a little bit extra, but I think the fact that Edward is is someone who doesn't just want to score goals, but is quite happy to supply. And it's good for him to have a strike partner beside him. He'd be quite happy to roll balls across the box and have that instinctive striker in round there. So I think yeti certainly looks that type. There is more to come. I think physically he's got to get up to speed. Neil spoke about it. I think he's got to use his body a little bit more. But anytime that ball bounces in and around, I mean, especially his goal on Saturday, just bounce and you know one mm. touch, without even thinking, turned and put it in. So, it's instinctive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And it's a good start for him, but that's all it is. He's got to try and make sure that if he's going to, you know, go with a front two, Neil Lennon, Ayeti has to make sure he's one of those and by scoring goals continually certainly puts him in the frame.
1: What's good is they're different, aren't they? They're they're drastically different, Odson Edouard and, and, yeah. and Albion and Ayeti. But that sometimes makes a partnership.
3: Yeah. Sometimes people have their opinions of of you know players where the best position is. Especially Edward, I think I like him coming off and linking up play, taking up little pockets of space. He's very clever. He sees space appearing. You know, he finds himself in space, he, he supplies things, he draws defenders towards him, creates space for others. Some people like him as the out-and-out number nine, like him playing on the last line of defence, running him behind. But I think his strength is coming off and linking up Celtic all over. That's why I think they looked the at a different side. He was the link all over the pitch. He was the man they were looking to feed the ball into. And having that strike partner allows him to go and do that. Whereas if he plays just a front three and him being as a lone number nine, if he comes off and drops in, sometimes they don't fill that gap that he leaves. So that's why I think the three five two suits his three central defenders but also suits uh, you know, his best player. I think the league's best player at this moment is Odson Edward, and I think it suits him, so why not play to his strengths?
1: If that turns out to be a great partnership, then that's ideal. That's exactly what Neil Lennon wants. But what's he got beyond that? If there is injury, if there is suspension, if there is a situation where they're not ready, as was the case a, a few weeks ago, uh, are you convinced about Patrick Klamala as backup in the continuing absence yeah. of, of Lee Griffiths? Is there enough strength and depth for those striking positions? If it's going to be 3-5-2, yeah. you, need, you yeah. obviously need two well, strikers. Correct.
3: If he goes 3-5-2, you could do that. You know, If he went 3-5-2, you could almost play around Christie just off one. You know, if that was a situation, so Rank Christie isn't the out and out striker, he could play as the second striker. He could probably play more of a flatter midfield. Call McGregor, Scott Brown, David Turnbull, for example, or Sorrow could play, so your uh, your midfield three's is flat. Uh, Rank Christie can then come off the, off the number one striker. So I think it gives him options. You know, that's that's what Neil Lennon wanted, the fact that he can play with a front two, he can play with a front one. But listen, Clamalla's still got a lot to prove. You know, the fact that he came so young with that transfer fee, everyone's looking to think, you know, he should be hitting the ground running, he should be the finished uh, article. He's 21 years of age. You know, he's coming on, he's scoring goals, he's slowly building his confidence. You know, how many Celtic strikers in the past have come in and they've struggled to score goals, even coming off the bench, they haven't really made an impact but he's coming off and score and he's just always reminding chipping away, Rob. So I think he will get better as time goes on. But somewhere along the line, you're right, Neil Lennon's going to have to put him in and give him a little run of games just to see how he can adapt and see how far he can get and how quickly he can get there.
1: A line has been drawn under the name of Bully Bull and Goalie. has moved to Turkey, has been completed. So that is now history as far as Celtic are concerned. But what it means is that Greg Taylor is the only left-back in the building. What does Neil Lennon make of that?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, it means there's a a vacancy there now that needs to be filled. So, yeah, we are looking in in that position. You know, if it's the right fit for the club and the the team and the squad and it's within the financial uh, budget, then, you know, we will look to do that. In terms of names, you know, I can't give you any at the minute, obviously.
1: We spoke about this last night on the show with Sy Ferry and Barry Ferguson. uh, And as certainly voiced the opinion, um, he said to me... Why do Celtic need a left back if they're playing three-five-two? You know, mm. the the it's it's a you left wing ch- back. It's a yeah, left wing back. Change, you're talking
3: about. You have to be flexible. You know, so, so they do need one. They well, do I need somebody. So. In. Well, well, they need competition for places. Absolutely. And I think on Saturday it showed that in domestic football they can play two wingers in those wing back areas because they will expect to have much more of the ball. They will expect to be in the front foot. James Forrest one side. I've got to say, I thought Frimpong Pong was was terrific on um, on Saturday. Just his energy continually bounded up down that right hand. Uh, that right hand side I thought it was excellent so do they need another one yes they do because if they want to go to a back four and suddenly Greg Taylor gets an injury then you're looking for someone to fill that void and currently in the playing staff there isn't that Rob so um, I think being able to play a four being able to play a three I would imagine away from home in European games Neil would have to be more reserved for this team selection as opposed to going with two wingers effectively in wing back areas he may have to go one more full back and, and then have another kind of winger on the other side just to give better balance to it so you know, you look around, I actually thought they were a little bit light and wide players. You know, El Yunusi isn't an out-and-out wide player. He wants to drift in the pitch from that wide area. And James Forrest is the only fit wide player, out-and-out wide player at this moment in time. Mickey Johnson is still injured. I think his. I think I read somewhere today, Neil said his rehab's going well. So maybe that's why, again, they're changing to the 3-5-2. They don't have the out-and-out pace in that wide area on both sides because El Yunusi wants to come in. So I think, you know, that that left-back one is probably the final piece of the jigsaw. Once Neil gets a left back in he'll look at his squad I mean he looked over his shoulder on, on Saturday He the Klamala at 3 million David Turnbull at 3 uh, sorry Clamalla at 3.5 David Turnbull 3 million El Unusi moved for what 16 million yeah. Rank Christie's worth anything between 8 and 10 12 million whatever you want so suddenly and, and in sorrow 2, 2.5 million pounds so you've got 40 to 50 million pounds with the talent sitting behind you to bring on so I think another left-back would maybe just make him feel a wee bit more comfortable and think that his team's going in the right direction.
1: Celtic are looking to build up ahead of steam. They were ruthless in Dingwall in that 5-0 win on Saturday and looking to take another step forward
4: tomorrow night in Paisley. And we've always found it pretty, pretty tough to, to play there. It's a tight, tight pitch, and uh, yeah, we, we got a positive result on on Boxing Day last year. But I'm just looking for us to build on, you know, a very good win at the weekend, uh, better levels of performance from us. But we're excited about the games coming up now. It's been difficult for Celtic to find momentum
1: so far because of their interrupted start to the campaign. They're they're kind of making up for lost time. They're playing catch up in the league table. And Neil Lennon, great though, where they, though, though they were in Dingwall uh, at the weekend, he, he wants them to continue making progression.
3: Yeah, and I think you could see in the first half, particularly on Saturday, that you know the back three put together. It is going to take a few games just for them to work it out and get each other's positions, you know, the communication thing is big because Ross County could have had a few goals in the first half. You know, there would a chance just after half time as well, Rob, just to make it 2-1. So there was certainly, you know, it wasn't the perfect performance by Celtic. Once they get the third goal and go 3-0, then they relax and they can op- open themselves up and, and play. But Neil Lennon looks at it, if they win tomorrow night and they win on Saturday, they go top of the table. Yeah. And Rangers don't play till Sunday. So that's the kind of small targets you set internally. Go and get the points on the board, go and grind the results out and I have to say the back three looks so imposing from set plays you know I think Christopher Julian got six goals last year Shane Duffy got himself uh, one in his first game Christopher Iyer probably should score more but that just gives him another little edge over teams physically they're big they're strong they're powerful and if you get those three guys if you put the ball in the right area it's very difficult to stop so as much as they can play with the ball on the ground if things are tight things are compact they can't break them down It's just added another little layer to them
1: Talking of uh, Shane Duffy, his fellow Irishman, uh, Gary Breen, the former Coventry and uh, Birmingham defender had a fairly controversial say He'd a pop at Scottish football during the week. And he doubted the wisdom of uh, Shane Duffy coming to Scotland
4: in terms of prolonging his international career. What did the Celtic gaffer think of that? Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, someone who doesn't know the game up here. I could give you a list as long as your arm of players who have come up here today, done on the better things or had a great career while they've been here. So I think Gary's comments are totally unnecessary, unfounded. There's no sort of substance to him whatsoever. I think this will be great for Shane's career. I think it will be great for his profile. I think it will make him a better player. And that means a better player for Ireland as well.
1: And I think I could give you a list as long as my arm of of people who've kind of popped Scottish football out of a position of complete ignorance?
3: It's easy. I think it's lazy comments. Just, you know, a throwaway comment thinking no one will notice it. But, you know, Scottish football, we're passionate about it up here, Rob. If you've something to say, something positive to say, say it. If you haven't, we don't want to listen.
1: It's St Celtic tomorrow night and it's Rangers Motherwell in Aberdeen in Europe on Thursday night with another great show starting with Alan Campbell, Sean Maloney, Lee Casciaro speaking about what Rangers are facing in Gibraltar and Brian Graham who's got that twin-pronged role now at Partick Thistle. We're back tomorrow night between five and seven uh, from Rob and from Ali and from Stephen Bye-bye.